Well, what a great evening. Um, I think it's pretty fitting that we did this on a Wednesday night. As you know, uh, we have extensive youth ministry down the hall on Wednesday night, and the Lord just happened to be all of our youth. Uh, that's great fruit of that ministry. Uh, certainly not just our, our youth ministry, but moms and dads and the church and whole as these children and young people get poured into. I want to take just a few minutes just to... Uh, Hitchhike a little bit on what Bobby said and just kind of wrap this up in the scriptures. Baptism is such an important aspect of the Christian church. Um, But I want to make this statement and then show you from scripture uh, what happened here. This has been happening for 2,000 years. What you saw today, this started with the birth of the church. And, And it's because baptism follows belief. So that's a real important point. Belief doesn't follow baptism. In fact, I I think you heard that. One of the young ladies said, I professed Christ at a young age, I was baptized and so forth, and here she is now. (laughs) So so it's so important to get into our hearts and minds that, that baptism follows belief. It's a response to what the Lord is doing. We see this pattern all through the New Testament. I'll show you just a couple of great examples. If you have your Bibles, look at Acts 18 with me. Uh, these are some of my favorite passages on baptisms and what the Lord was doing in the early church. We still see him doing it today. He has not changed. Um, this happens to do with Crispus. He is one of, the, one of the leaders of Israel. And you'll see it in Acts chapter 18, verse 8. It says, Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, and just, just think about who this was. This is, was a religious, educated man, a man who... Uh, knew the Old Testament, probably had a great amount of passages memorized. And the Bible says, the next phrase there in verse 8, believed in the Lord. So here is this man who is supposed to be this pinnacle of, of religious society and belief, and, and Paul comes in and he preaches the gospel, and this leader of uh, a religion that was without Christ without seeing Jesus Christ as the only way, is belie- it believes in the Lord. Now look what it says in this verse. This Christmas, this leader of synagogue, believed in the Lord, now look at this, with all of his family, with all of his household. So, that, so you would take that verb, believe, and you'd apply it to the rest of that. They too believed in the Lord. They placed their faith in the Lord. Salvation by faith alone. And then look what it says, many of the Corinthians, when they heard were believing and being baptized. Believing and being baptized. That's the mark of Christianity. Now, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, um, if we don't get this right, great confusion starts to happen. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, because we find this Christmas again here, this ruler, this leader of the synagogue, we find him mentioned here again. Now, uh, I preached extensively on this a while back when we were going through 1 Corinthians, and if you want to hear the full sermon, you can go look at that. However, if you look at verse 14, chapter 1, verse 14, Paul says, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. Now, remember the problems happening. They have... They have now had this factitious behavior that's been happening in them. And they've been saying, I've been baptized of Paul and I have Cephas and so forth and all of that. Um, and and they're, they're separating the church into groups. And they're placing great weight on their works, the work particularly of baptism here. 
So Paul says in verse 15, so that no one would say that you are baptized in my name. Because I, I'm, I'm not involved in this. I, I did baptize a few guys. Now, then he gets thinking a little farther. In this wonderful inspiration of the scripture here. Verse 16. Now I baptized also the house of Stephanos. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptize any other. And here's the key. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. Now, what that tells us is his priority was preaching. The result would come of baptism. But the church was confusing that. and They were putting their works and their value in what they had done, fracturing the church in a way, and they were putting the emphasis on their baptism. And Paul says, I'm going to put the emphasis on the gospel. The result of that is many of you were baptized. Now, one other passage. Go back to Acts, Acts 16. This is probably my favorite um, of all the great baptism passages in the Scripture. Acts chapter 16. Baptism follows belief. Otherwise, it, it, it has to turn into some kind of works righteousness. And that's why we're careful. We're very careful with baptism um, uh, that we, we want them to profess and that publicly proclaim that, that they know the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, look at this great passage. You know this passage. Um, uh, Paul and Silas are thrown in prison for preaching the gospel. Um, there's an earthquake that comes. The chains fall off him. The guard thinks everybody's going to die. Everybody's gone, so he's going to kill himself. And Paul calls for a lamp, and he says, hey, we're all here. Don't leave. And they had been singing doubtlessly speaking and singing the gospel all night. And this man, in verse 30, comes running before them and, and <laughs> trembling, falls down before them in verse 29. Notice what he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now that's a great question, isn't it? There's many people that haven't asked this question in this world. And I don't know if there's anybody here that has not asked this question, but you should. <laughs> what must I do to be saved? And notice what he does. Paul says, they said to him, Paul and Silas, believe in the Lord Jesus. Believe faith alone in Christ alone and you will be saved and that certainly is by the grace of God. So we would say grace alone there, you and your household. So this request of how do I get saved, believe, have faith alone in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now verse 32 gives us a little more insight. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all of those in his house. And, and there's, there's a change that comes in his life. Look at verse 33. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed and, and with their wounds. And immediately he was baptized. Now, uh, uh, you can see that he there in verse 33 is the jailer. So he, he, he hears how to be saved. The word is spoken to him. There's some kind of transformation that happens in his life. Verse 33, he's, he went from being their possible executioner, at least the jailer, now to caring for them through the night, washing their wounds, and immediately he was baptized, he and all of his household. So he and his household did exactly what verse 31 said. They believed in the Lord. They were saved. Now you say, well, how did that order all go? Look at verse 34. And he brought them into his house, that's the jailer again, set food before them, and look at what happened. And rejoice greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. So belief has to precede baptism. 
And what a glorious time that was. There's, there's some really fascinating things as I thought about this um, today and thinking through this is there's this now a desire to serve the Lord. One of the things we see when people get saved, there's, there's new desires, right? Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have come new. We've heard some of those verses even quoted today. Um, there's a desire. And so this man who was a prisoner, I mean a prison guard, we know Roman prison guards were, were ruthless. We see them at even the crucifixion of Christ. And now he is washing feet. He's carrying. There's a desirous to serve. Salvation changed this man. It was, it was seen in the way he conducted himself. And then he's baptized, he and his family. Notice also there's great rejoicing here. Verse 34, great rejoicing. He had great joy in his life. It's, it's one of the great marks, the assurances of salvation in a sense. God gives you joy, fills your heart with joy now, and you rejoice. And you give God praise for what he has done. Now, let's be clear, it's not Baptism that saves, just as Bobby led us off with, it's faith alone in Jesus Christ's finished work. I, we heard one of the gals say that. She said, I now had faith alone in Jesus Christ's finished work. And that's where God declares you righteous at that salvation. But it is baptism that God uses as a means to that saved individual to now publicly proclaim their faith. I, I may have told this story before. I... I had a cowboy I worked with for a long time, and we rode a lot of t- a lot of years together. and And he had had a really sinful episode in his life, and said he had a meeting with God, and and, and so forth. and And so I went over immediately, called me, and I, I go, let me come over, and I shared the gospel. He goes, yeah, 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 I believe that. I go, okay. Well, we gotta you gotta come to church, and we gotta tell people what's going on. I go, no, I'm not doing any of that. I even talked about baptism, and he's going. Are you kidding me? Are you me getting in the water? There was no desire for those things. What you see in these texts that I've shown you is every one of them had great joy. They believed, they had great joy, and they were baptized. And I think that's why we like it as Christians so much. We come here and there's so much joy because somebody's come to faith. There's joy in them. There's change in their life, and God is using them. And now they publicly profess the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. It's important not to miss what God is doing tonight. He's been doing that through church history. What you saw tonight is the legacy of the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And and we just read of guys 2,000 years ago, uh, men, women, children, professing Jesus Christ, being baptized as much public way as they could in that that early church setting. Um, one other thing, just notice in verse 32, and this came out as we heard here, that the word of God was spoke to them. It was taught to them. And, and as you heard, if you listened, they heard it at church, they heard it at camp, they heard it at youth, they heard it from friends. The word of God was taught to them. So if you want to see people get saved, you have to use the word of God. That's what brings saving faith through the word of God. That's how he uses that to change our lives. So it's, it's the spoken word to somebody d- just sitting down and having a conversation. It's the preached word being under the preaching. It's evangelism. All use the word of God to do that. And the result is there is great joy in public proclamation. Many times I get asked um, of parents that want their children baptized. I, and I remember, I've said this many times to myself, I don't doubt that your child 
is baptized, but let's, I mean, is saved. Um, but as far as baptized, is, are they ready to proclaim? That's one of the questions I already asked. Do you want them baptized because you're, you're still connecting that to some kind of work? But are you willing to wait till they're ready to say, um, I want to tell people what Jesus has done? I heard that recently here. One of the testimonies someone was telling me this week that they've been working with their daughter and she's pushing because she's ready now to, to wants to make public profession. So we don't have an age limit here of when we baptize. But we want it to be one of the most enjoyable experiences. Yeah, it's a little nerve-wracking getting in there in front of all those people. But, but you can see the joy. They're excited to tell you what the Lord has done. And I think that's the mark of a saved person. You want to proclaim. And so usually I'll tell parents, when your child is ready to proclaim what Jesus has done and can give him all the glory and all the credit, let's do it. Doesn't mean they're not saved. You might have a child. I came to know the Lord at a young age. But it wasn't until or older as I began to really understand what the Lord did and I was ready to proclaim that, then you step towards baptism. So baptism is just a gift to the saved and it affirms faith in, in a lot of ways and that we believe the gospel. And that's what happens here. One of the interesting things that went on in Corinth is they put so much weight on their baptism instead of Jesus Christ, Paul says the cross has now become foolish to you. See, see, when you start to go down your works and what you have done and haven't done and all those type of things, now the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ isn't the center. It goes down a little further in this passage. If you remember, he reminds them that it is God the Father who has called you. So you've made this all about you and your baptism and you're making these, these factions within the church and we're with this guy and we're with that guy and, and yet it is God who called you and you don't give him glory, you don't boast in him and, and he goes on to say, let us only boast in the Lord. And then of course chapter two is about the work of the Spirit. So w- what I love about that passage is Paul's bringing them back. You got lost in what you think you have done and yet the, the, all what happened to you, your salvation is based in the finished work of Christ, the calling of the Father and the identifying work of the Spirit of God. And that's what you see tonight. You see these young people just amazed at what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for them. So um, uh, I, I, I think it's, I'm really proud of our men and women who work with our young people as they get ready to be baptized because they work diligently through that. And they, they cause them to think through their testimonies because that's important. It's their moment to say, Jesus, I stand in front of your congregation, the congregation you bought with your blood, and I now proclaim you. Hmm. Maybe that's why some adults don't get, because they're scared. But do you love them enough to stand there and say, this is what Jesus has done for me? I think it's a mark of a transformed heart. And you see the Philippian jailer and his family and the fruit of their salvation. They're joyous and they're serving and there's an automatic connection we make with the church. And when you study Acts chapter 16, you begin to realize that was the birth of the church. You get Lydia saved in the first part of the chapter. Now the Philippian jailer and his family and you have the birth of the church all taking part of that. So baptism flows right into church membership where you begin to serve the Lord with this body of Christ where you have proclaimed that truth. They go together. And so this, this evening we have seen these five beautiful testimonies of these young ladies who have, by the grace of God, put their, their trust alone, their faith alone in Jesus Christ. 
What a glorious thing that is. If you're here tonight and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, I would plead with you to bend your knee to him. Tell him you don't have anything to offer him. You heard it over and over in every one of those testimonies. Always listen for this. I don't have anything to offer. If you listen, they they say, I'm coming empty-handed. I have nothing. I realize I was a sinner. That's where God gets you to that point when he brings you salvation. If you don't know Jesus, tell him to help you understand the depth of your sin. He'll do that for you. Put your faith in him alone. If you're here today and you're a believer and you've not been baptized, what's stopping you? Why haven't you been baptized? Why haven't you stood there and said, here's my Lord and Savior, and let me tell you what he did for me? God gives us that opportunity to be proclaimers. And so I'd encourage any of you that haven't finished, let me say this. Sometimes we say baptism is a step of obedience. The more I thought about this, even today, I said, no, baptism is a step of worship. We use that word obedience, and sometimes in our American mind, we kind of think, well, that's a list of things I got to get done. Baptism is a step of worship. And that's what I heard tonight. I heard young ladies worshiping that their Savior had saved them. So if you've not been baptized, come talk to one of us. We'd love to meet with you and help you prepare to take that step. Let's close, and then we'll be dismissed. I think all these young ladies are around here. Make sure you greet them and give them a hug and and praise the Lord for them. Father, thank you for this time. I thank you, first of all, for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We all see ourselves in the waters of baptism there. We know that, like those ladies said, we too would die in our sins if it wasn't for the Lord Jesus Christ and him dying in our place. And then, God, you granted us faith to believe, and that led to repentance, and, and, and then that led to a joyous heart that we had never experienced before, and that led us to want to worship you by proclaiming what you have done, Lord, even to the steps of taking that to baptism. And so we thank you for those ladies. I thank you also for the moms and dads, all of those young ladies represented, grandparents, those who poured into them the gospel, And I thank you for them. Would you bless those families, Lord, for that. I also think of the youth workers and Bible teachers and camp teachers and Sunday school teachers down through their life, Lord, that taught them the truth. And Lord, I pray that we would have a heritage here of of generations of people teaching our young people truth, Lord. You would continue to use that, Lord. Lord, finally, I pray for those that are listening or here today who aren't sure if they die where are they going to go? In fact, like one of the ladies said, I knew I was going to go to hell. Lord, don't let them leave this room. I beg you would stop them where they're at. Cause them to grab somebody and say, I don't have that assurance. Lord, don't let them leave. We want them to know Jesus Christ is their Savior. And then, Lord, if there's any here who profess to be saved and yet have not been baptized, I'm not taking that beautiful step of worship. I pray that they would be encouraged today, even challenged, that they would take that step and be baptized for your glory, Lord, and for their joy, and for the joy of the church to, to, to be able to experience that with them and hear the proclamation of what Jesus has done in yet another believer's life. So I pray, Lord, if there's those in here who have not been baptized, that they would take that step. Father, finally, I just thank you that none of this saves us, Lord. (laughs) 
Those waters don't have any magical powers. It is your plan of salvation that you execute it perfectly through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is in Him alone we're saved. And so we can just worship you for what you've done, not take any ownership of those things. We can boast in the Lord, as Paul said. And so thank you for that tonight, Lord. So grateful to have been a part of this today. Thank you for each and everyone that came out tonight. Lord, give us a good rest tonight. Ready to serve you again tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.